Well, I realized after my last video or the one before the audio was the whole honesty thing in the military, you know, I think the, the males can be much more honest in that way up front. But the females, it's, oof. Yeah, they're not going to be up front with you, most likely. Unless they're like throwing fists or something. I guess cause when the men say shit, they're just kind of joking around. Like they know how to like say say this shit in a joking way. So they're not like offending each other. The women are all be like gossipy and shit. Not me. I mean, I try my best not to anyway. I don't want to be creating no drama. And maybe it's almost like a sibling relationship though too. Like some siblings you get along with better than others, but you still got to work together. And I also have thought about, you know, the military being our parents, whoever the, the, the military mom and papa are, you know, they say Uncle Sam, but maybe the mama and papa is like the first sergeant and the company commander. So you could have two males, you could have a male and a female. I don't think I've ever seen two females in those roles. I don't think I have. I'm sure it's happened. I'm just saying I haven't seen that, that I remember, that I can recall. But maybe that's an energy thing if it's not, if it hasn't really happened or hasn't happened often is the male-female energy. Because, you know, they have slots for units, but I don't think they ever say this slot's E5 male or this slot's E5 female. I don't, I don't know if they think that far into it, but, you know... The, the experience being deployed, you know, or, well, deployment is what I can think of as the most genuine, genuine, the most metaphorical situation for our parents taking care of us, or hopefully, maybe they're the best parents we've ever had, even though they're not emotionally there for us, <laughs> whoever these military parents are, you know, or the, I mean, maybe your platoon sergeant is there for you, or your, if you're the platoon sergeant, it's maybe the commander of the first sergeant or another platoon sergeant, something. But in the deployment situation, you know, they're doing your laundry. They're cooking your food. They've set up all this for you. They're not, they're, they, whoever. I mean, in Iraq, these third world countries, third country nationals, TCNs, we're doing our laundry, cooking our food. And there were some military people back there. But I don't think in the laundromats. I think just in the food situation. And maybe that was just for our benefit to monitor. Or because we do have so many cooks that maybe want to do their job when they're deployed. But maybe, well, they're cooking. They're doing our laundry. They're transporting us back and forth to work. You know, we're at work all day. They're running the gyms. If the gyms weren't as many of the third country nationals, I think that was more civilian contracting stuff. And maybe there were civilian contractors leading the TCNs. I don't remember that part. But 
I think, you know, you're in a good situation as far as being taken care of with most of the stresses that we have back here in the U.S., which is daily life, you know, the lack of having generational families in one home, you know, has really caused a lot of heartache and stress because now one or two people is doing everything for themselves or one or more children. And it's, it's a lot for a family to handle. So... Maybe that's what helps the army sibs get along better, you know, having all that stuff taken care of, trying to get as many stressors taken away as possible. You know, the military really takes care of their people during deployments in that way. Making sure the the needs are met, the food and the shelter, the laundry, the cleaning. And you got to clean your your bunk area, like your room. I had a bunk bed with my, at the time, husband in a little tiny 10 by 10 room. Yeah, try that sometime. Didn't go so well. But they clean the bathrooms. Like, you don't got to clean nothing but your personal space and your body. I mean, you can try. <laughs> you take a shower, you walk outside, within three minutes you're soaked in sweat. But you can try. You can try. So, yeah, they really, really took care of us. It really paved the way for us to just do really well at our jobs. So it's like they take, they recruit a lot of times people who are coming from poverty or abusive families, neglected families, people who want to get the fuck away. And, and maybe have someone take care of them, automatically give them a paycheck and get promotions automatically to a point until you need to start showing your points. No pun. And it can be an easy escape, an easy option. But you may not make it out alive. We're not going to make it out alive anyway out of this life. But it could be a premature life, a premature end to life. It really could. Obviously, that doesn't happen for everyone, but is it worth it? Just not sure anymore about that. For what? Wanted to have this discussion so many times. For what? Possessions, money, power, control. Are they all connected? What are we doing? Can we come back to this peaceful place? I think we can. Recruitments are really low right now. People want another way. Is it possible to have free education? Do people even need to go to school to make a living? Do they? I mean, 
I graduated with my master's and in Austin they wanted to pay me $15.95 an hour. Is education valued? Are you going into the military to pay for education? If that's the case, then you better get a job that's going to pay you a lot of money if that's what you're looking forward to. There are some that are going to leave you, lead you to a lot more money than others. Let's just say that even though whatever school you go to, they all cost the same price. But maybe we should be charging people based on what your annual average salary is and the ability to pay it off in three years. So if you're in social work, what would that look like? Could you, within an average rent, if you're paying for rent, which you probably are, unless you've saved up a ton of money while you're going to school somehow, or inherited, or I don't know what you did. I don't need to know. Don't tell me. But most most of us renting after grad school, I had already had a house, fortunately, because husband at the time and I bought a house on auction while we were in Iraq online. He did put the house only in his name, which I ain't bitter about that anymore. I was, but it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Anyway, we'll sidetrack. So, yeah, rent after college. And what is the average rent for your town or city that you're going back to to look for work? And make sure that job is guaranteed for you. Like, you get out of school and you are guaranteed a position somewhere somewhere that you want to be and if not the university has to pay you monthly until they find you a job yeah you bet they'd they'd find you a job you bet they would you bet you'd have a job here within the first month you'd have a job lined up before you even graduated from college guaranteed yeah we need to do things differently anyway That's the only way I could see college being important to attend is if you you based your tuition, if your tuition was based on your average monthly salary and being able to pay for the average cost of life once you graduate with and get a job within your field. And if not, the university has to pay for it. This is what I am suggesting.